the Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Sounds familiar to some of you? Uh, well, the guest that we have on this time, that's all she knows, folks. Uh, but before we do that, um, we have some exciting news to, to share with uh, our listeners, Corey. Most certainly. Well, people don't realize this. Uh, a lot of times when we record, it's usually a random time that you and I are available to do so. Yes. And uh, so today it is that we're recording uh, this intro. It is Sunday, September 22nd. But Trevor, we are being interviewed today here shortly uh, by a magazine that started in the great country that is to the north of us, Canada. Oh, yeah. Uh, intriguing stuff. We actually were approached by them. Well, it was an email. I don't know how approachable that is. But anyways, uh, they sent us an email and said, hey, uh, we kind of see what you're doing. We like what you're doing. And you said that you have a Canadian following. And we would like to feature you in an article on, I believe it's called Top Stock Magazine, right? That is correct. So Top Stock Magazine. They also have uh, a publication that goes out to uh, the U.S. They have some U.S. stories that they do here on the uh, the 50 states below them in their wonderful, wonderful st- country up there. The uh, Top Stock Magazine is called The Voice I think of the voice of the cattle industry is is their uh, voice of the show cattle industry, excuse me, is their kind of tagline there. So um, if you guys are interested, we'll let you know when that uh, article comes out and um, you can visit topstockmagazine.com and check out their website. They have a, a, Can- a Canada subscription and a United States subscription. So you can uh, ke- keep up to date on uh, on all the cool, fun, neat things happening in the show cattle industry. Stop Talk Magazine, The Voice. Speaking of neat things, um, I know we said it's September 22nd, and this is going to air next week on the 2nd of October. Mm-hmm. So by the time this thing launches, we're going mm-hmm. to be talking with Temple Grandin. Oh, my God. And in Columbus there uh, would be the weekend before this still airs so hopefully uh we have more people pouring in some questions between now and then uh because this weekend that you guys are listening to now is when we plan on doing a full interview with her over the phone so with that being said this is your absolute last chance to get your questions in to the temple grandin so and to be honest Trevor, I'm a little disappointed in our audience. Yeah, I would figure we'd have a lot more. Maybe they don't know who Temple is, and maybe that's uh, that's on us, but I feel like they should at least give it a Google, you know, or at least watch the documentaries that you were talking about, Corey. So uh, we need to know who Temple is because she is a excellent mind in the livestock industry. Oh, my goodness. Well, and and it's not just about show stock, but, you know, her perspective on, on the show stock industry is a unique one. Um, maybe that we could all take a step back and just kind of uh, listen to her thoughts on it. Um, most 
may disagree with her. And to be honest, I, I, I probably don't see it the same way she does also. However, she does uh, have some very strong viewpoints about our industry and how we do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be really fun, I think, for everybody to listen and learn from and just immerse yourself in- into the into the beautiful mind of Temple Grandin. Yes. Very unique mind. Um, and you mentioned viewing things differently. Well, we have a friend that makes it very, very easy to view livestock like we've never seen it before called Walton Webcasting. Um, as you know, folks, they are absolutely everywhere all the time. Uh, multiple teams going across the nation showing you livestock like you've never seen it before. And I love it. Uh, I know I've said this a couple times, but man, uh, when I have livestock in the ring and maybe I need to re-watch it, or I, Corey, with me, I get so focused on the one I have out there, I never really compare it to others while mm-hmm. while it's out there. So if it gets beat or if I think, man, I thought we could have been you know, in the line there a little differently... I always go to waltonwebcasting.com and I'm I'm already subscribed so I go in their archives and rewatch that show and I'm like man if we could have had a couple uh, you know a little bit more fill or I need to fit that one up better for the next show like these jackpot shows that are coming up here pretty soon in the winter deal they are going to give you so much an advantage if you subscribe to Walton Webcasting not only that if you can't make it to Texas like I plan on watching a lot of their shows down south that are coming up here I can do it right here in the comfort of my home here in Ohio. So they give you the just advantage. Wearing your house slippers, just watching That's right. watching some show pigs. Ah. They do it awesome. Or, or cattle or sheep or yeah. goats. Or but rabbits. If you guys have not subscribed yet, folks, you have to go to waltonwebcasting.com and subscribe. That will give you access to all the archives. And if people don't know what an archive is, it's just a storage of all of their videos that they've had in the past. You get to look at all of them. So subscribe, become part of the team there. I would say if you subscribe, that's pretty much your part of it. So Walton Webcasting, the best way to view livestock. Well, you know, another very good way to view livestock and purchase those livestock is by visiting showpig.com. Oh, yeah. Another title sponsor here for the podcast. That was a very good segue, I think, by me. We're doing good. We're trying. Yeah. Um, folks, that September special is, has now ended. Um, so sorry about your luck if you didn't take advantage of that. Uh, however, they still have a live event advertising package that is incredibly discounted. The original price of this package, 600 bucks. Special price, 450 Whoa. Yeah. I mean, if you want to increase exposure and interest in getting more traffic to your live event, just promote it on showpig.com. I mean, I'm not a good speller. I'm not a good reader, but I am pretty decent at numbers. And if numbers serve me correctly, that's $150 they took off. Yeah. I mean, think of what you could use that $150 extra for. I mean, you can go and buy yourself a nice little wax kit and get the trailer shined up. Yeah. Or like 10 stock talk t-shirts. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not out here trying to oversell people (laughs) but i like where your head's at Uh, love it okay this package also includes a two-week featured banner ad and email blast if you don't know what an email blast is those little emails that you get every once in a while in your inbox because you signed up for some giveaway thing that you really don't care about you just wanted to see what you could get for a discount 
Yeah, that's what an email blast is, except they're going to give you incredible content involved in this email blast. Plus, this goes sent directly to more than 18,000 inboxes. Whoa. That's less than 20,000, but more than five people. So 18,000 inboxes. I mean, yeah, that's a lot going on. So showpig.com, thankful for their sponsorship and incredible discounts. No doubt. Well, as we alluded to there in the first couple seconds, um, I learned a heck of a lot from a a peer, Um, not a a seasoned veteran yet in the show goat industry, but holy crap, the knowledge of our guests that we're about to present to you guys. I hope people of all species listen to this. And if you're not a goat person, obviously you probably hadn't clicked on it, but if you are, and if you're listening to this portion right now, tell other species to dive in because I knew half of what I know now just within the hour that we talked to our guests we're about to have. So it's it's been very, very awesome, this whole podcast, to be able to get people like that in front of us. What's really cool about this particular episode is that she's our age, Corey, and doing mm-hmm. amazingly good things in a big stage. So mm-hmm. I cannot wait for people to chime in and, and listen to this episode. Oh, my goodness. Well... Let's not keep them from it, Trev. Ladies and gentle ladies and men. (laughs) On today's show, we have someone that started from the bottom. Now they're here. They literally, she literally started with three goats. One was a dairy goat. One was a meat weather, not really a show weather, but a meat weather. And then she had herself, as she says in this show, a... Bordeaux. Okay. Now she's got over a hundred does. She's selling the crap out of these things all over the country. She's judging in Oregon and Texas and you name it. She is an incredible mind, a young mind in this industry. Trevor and I were lucky enough to sit down with her. I was lucky enough to grow up with her showing in the same County. Thank God I never showed goats because I would have never won. (laughs) And also, I had suicidal goats back in the day, so let's just not talk about that. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, on today's show, we have an epic guest for you all, Bailey Bergen. Glad to have you on the show. And yeah, thanks for having And well, so you and I have known each other for, uh, I don't even know how long now. Uh, it's it's been a minute. I, I'd say at least 10, 10 to 15. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We were just little tykes back in the day when we first met. I just pictured 15 year old Corey and he was probably still taller than I am today. Uh, yeah, probably. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I was more of a stud back then, um, than I am now. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk with Bailey Burgum about show goats. So, folks that have been begging for Showgoat uh, conversation, we brought it back to you. And I couldn't think of a better person to bring on now, knowing uh, just how far Bailey's program has come and the level of success that she's had over the years. So, Bailey, 
tell us a little bit about yourself, um, something maybe that I don't know, and then what you do for a living and where you're from. Oh, goodness. So started raising goats uh, through the 4-H program uh, in 2003. Um, I think that's when you started as well. And it was uh, definitely a different viewpoint than what I have today. Um, you know, we thought it was cool. We had pet goats and got to exhibit them at the fair. And um, it started with just, I had a dairy goat, a boer doe, and a meat weather. And I was very fortunate my very first year. Um, had Supreme Dairy Doe, champion um, boer female, and I believe it was reserve weather. Um, had no idea what we were doing. Started clipping our goats the day before the show. So took a number 10 blade and buzzed them literally clean off. So not quite how we present our animals today. Um, 2005, I would say, was a kind of game-changing year. Um, started showing cattle. We'd always raise them as just a commercial operation, putting uh, meat in the freezer. Um, so I kind of learned how to clip on a calf, um, kind of the day-to-day um, show prep that it takes, uh, and then converted that over onto the goat side a bit more. Um, now I am a small animal professor with solid and supply doing some um, clipping and fitting clinics, daily care, that sort of thing. Um, I've got, yeah, over a hundred head of goats right now. Um, about 10 of those are more commercial based. Um, we converted our recipient program over to a commercial herd um, for the time being until we regroup um, and kind of rebuild our embryo transfer program. Um, so we're going to have roughly 40 or 50 does kid uh, between December and March. And we try to keep that number going. So we've got plenty of offspring available in the spring. Um, gosh, we, there's there's so many things to discuss, I guess. Um, I've had an opportunity to judge quite a few shows for the ABGA and um, at the county level as well. Um Goodness. And where is your yeah, farm I do a located? Lot of I am located in Terre Haute, Indiana. There you go. And you, I cut South you off. Side. Yeah, there you go. That's Corey Land, is what I hear, uh, but better known yeah. as, as Baileyville. <laughs> so we're good. Um, so you said you, you were getting ready to tell us. I cut you off. I'm pretty good at doing that. Apologize. But you said you're, you're pretty big into photography. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I, I got a camera for Christmas. Um, few years back now probably five years ago and you know we we converted taking our sale pictures with a cell phone and you know trying to get the best we could um and now I've turned that into a little bit of a sidekick um I I try to take the best quality picture we can of our not only our sale goats but our donors and herd sires um and it's kind of opened up some doors to take pictures for some other individuals as well. Those pictures are awesome. Uh, if, if people don't realize what goes into that, um, it's crazy. I mean, we talked to Brad hook about some of that stuff in his episode. And then, um, but these, these pictures, uh, of, you know, nobody really probably that listens to this podcast, I would think 
uh, just can sit back and appreciate a quality picture. I mean, we all want, we all like good pictures. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still take pictures with my cell phone, which Bailey, you have to Absolutely. recommend. What what kind of picture do you, or camera do you use to take pictures? Um, I actually have really a pretty basic camera. It's just a Canon Rebel T5. Um, I, I have you know some goals in mind. I would love to upgrade um, financially. I don't know if I'm ready to put several thousand into a camera just yet when what I'm using is working. So, um, but yeah, back to kind of what it takes to take those pictures. I think a lot of people think, okay, you, you clip the goat and you send them out and you take a picture of them when in fact there's about three or four of us involved, uh, in trying to capture that moment. Um, so those goats, we keep them on a chain. Um, and I'm, typically on the camera sometimes we'll get a a rowdy one and I've got to be on the lead but um my mom and dad both participate a lot in this my dad will bring the dog out to get some ears and if the dog doesn't work I mean we're throwing cans and rocks (laughs) and flags and all sorts of things (laughs) to get those ears forward I could just imagine Billy out there just flapping his arms trying to get some ears. That's hilarious. So, so for our listeners, uh, Bailey's dad is a retired police officer. He was a chief, right? Police chief. Yeah. He was chief of detectives for quite some time and then retired from city police department and actually went on at the County, um, to work in the school corporation as a special deputy. And he, yeah. now he's retired from that. So. Just, just living the life and helping, helping you ranch the goats. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Everybody's so, apart. <laughs> that's well, you almost need that just because of of how much it takes to 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 do well and win in the business. So, um, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about um, your herd. Then you know what are some of those does and bucks and and kind of some of your recent successes. Oh goodness! So I would say back in two thousand five, two thousand six. I purchased a my very first full blood doe um, that kind of set a ground base for what our full blood operation is now. Um, we still have a lot of those genetics in the herd. I think there's six, we're on our seventh or eighth generation on some of those now. Um, I think the most influential sire we've had has to be um, maximum impact. I owned him in partnership with um, Sandy and Gary Duncan. Um, he, his brother did, had a lot of success, um, still the highest pointed buck in the industry. Um, but Max, we kind of kept him home and close to where we could utilize him to the, the best of our ability without running him dry. Um, had another doe busy being fabulous in partnership with them. Um, that went on to be national reserve champion in 2014. Um, and then we've kind of, I purchased a buck last year, um, last fall, actually. I, he, he came to the house two weeks before Louisville and I thought, eh, we're going to take him. We're going to see what happens. We weren't by any means ready to get that guy out there and really try to win a show. Uh, but it was more for just, his exposure to a big ring. Um, and that turned into us doing a full circle trip to 
um, National Western, and then from there to Fort Worth. And we took three goats. He was one of them and brought home four overall banners. Wow. Jeez. Um, yeah. So um, very fortunate um, to have been able to do that. And, and it was just myself and um, actually my boyfriend, Wes Ritchie. So we, we kind of uh, decided, okay, if we're going to do this, we're not going to take a whole bunch of them because there's only two of us. That's a lot of work. And especially if, you know, for some reason we get stuck on the road. Um, so yeah, it's a 12 hour trip from here to Denver and then another 12 from Denver um, to Fort Worth and another 12 to 14 to get home. So definitely a long seven or eight days. But you brought home like, four. Seems like one of those. Go ahead, Trev. Yeah, but you brought home four banners. So I think for, for each time you were in a truck, uh, that counted for a banner. So I think that's a heck of an experience. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we definitely did not go with those expectations. Um, we were hopeful, you know, and, and tried to um, kind of line things up properly as far as, okay, which goats do we sign up for this show, knowing that this is the judge. And um, it worked out really good that um, a couple of those judges complimented each other. Um, so we didn't have to take separate strings for those three. Boy, what a novel concept. You have to, you have to use the, uh, who you know is judging a show. And bringing them the right animals. And sometimes it pays off. We've you talked know, about that quite a bit. You mean yep. at these yep. national, regional, big shows, they actually tell people who the judge is. Hmm, I wonder How why. About How about that? <laughs> so people don't waste right. their times. Bailey, that sounds like a trip, though, where you'd probably have to stop and do laundry. Um, that's, a, <laughs> that's a long road trip. I had a big suitcase. And um, I'm not one to take several outfits, but... That trip, we definitely, um, I packed the suitcase as full as I could. We got to Denver and I was expecting it to be, you know, really cold, snowy, gross weather. And we get there and I'm sweating in a t-shirt trying <laughs> to keep goats cooled down. We The goats were shucking hair at Denver. I'm like, please keep this hair until we get to Fort Worth. <laughs> oh my God. Oh this took a lot of ice water to keep things going. Yeah, well, and it's probably handy to have Wes there, too, to help fit, too, because, I mean, uh, that's a lot of work for, for even one person. So Yeah, so he was kind of the saving grace on that a little bit. Um, and I think it's, it's funny you bring that up. A lot of people have, have asked the question, okay, who does all of the fitting? I assume it's Wes. I'm like, no, heck no. <laughs> I've been doing this way longer than he has in the goat side. He, he's got to earn his spot. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, and yeah. And I, I had the opportunity to help his family with some cattle and, and it, it is, it's very different. Um, a lot of people like to think that it's the same and, and general basics. Yes. Um, I, I think the goat industry as a whole isn't quite ready um, for some of the fitting techniques that are in place nowadays. Um, I, I think it's getting there, um, but we've got a lot of, I'm going to just call them what they are. The old school guys are, are still um, struggling to understand why we want to present the animals differently. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got to be a little bit cautious. And I think uh, Wes and I both at times tend to go a little, a little overkill and we've got to dial back and say, okay, 
what is too much and and what is a good representation of that animal. So that's another um, way. I mean, if you got an older, quote unquote, un- older school judge that you're getting ready to take them uh, goats to, you almost got to dial back and rethink the way you're going to fit them just to hopefully uh, get them right for and looking the way that they used to, I guess. Uh, and then yes. in, in conjunction with some of the younger judges who may like a little bit more fit. Yeah. And we've actually had a couple shows that, uh, you know, I just kind of, made the final decision like hey we're not going to fit this one today and you know some are like um why not yeah (laughs) it's like well we need need to spread our odds out a little bit because if the first goat we send in the ring is fit and they aren't too keen on that and we don't do well with her because of it then maybe we don't want to fit the rest of them like that or at least make sure it looks a bit more natural that's crazy because I think it's super cool. Like to me, it it brings the the I don't know. Would you just call it the the purebred goat show goat industry? I don't know. I mean, they're obviously not, um, not like these commercial does that are we're making show weathers with. I mean, these are high quality right. like show cows, pretty much. I mean, to, and to relate it that way, but I, I just think that it's it's super modern. It's and honestly. Most of the time, the way that some of these goats are presented looks even better than like the best show heifer you've ever seen. Oh, I know it's it's unbelievable, and um, <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of the cattle guys standing in the goat barn here lately, and and it's interesting to see um, how they've helped evolve the industry. Um, and I think I think it's a positive thing. Um, some are still struggling with it, but I, I'm glad that we have kind of tried to make a more presentable image for the association and for the goat industry as a whole, um, because I think it takes something like that in order to get the outside cir- of the circle to view the goat industry seriously. Uh, right. Well, there's been so much crossover now between species uh, of show families and people, you mm-hmm. know, having an interest in doing other things other than what they grew up with. So I think that's one of the things that I think is going to help draw people towards um, that side of the goat industry is, is being able to present these things and and take the time to fit on them and and make them sure that, you know, there there's, there's fitters everywhere, um, whether it be show cattle or pigs or sheep or whatever. Um, and so I think having something else for people to dive into and, and take a real interest in is, is cool. And it's, I think going to be a great thing for that industry moving forward. So. Absolutely. And I think another thing to add to that is um, I think it opens up a lot of opportunities for the youth um, because it gives them a bit more connection with that animal. Uh. It gives them a little bit more to learn and, and kind of be well-rounded as a showman. Yeah, for sure. Well, and we just we talked about with about that uh, almost exactly with with Blaine Arthur a couple of weeks ago, and she kind of made the comment that you know, we've got to allow these these kids to get more involved in in that process uh, rather than just sitting back and watching. So, yeah. absolutely, we don't want any more helicopter moms. <laughs> <laughs> so. There's no doubt that you've had undeniable success uh, at a very uh, young age. And 
what can you attest are some of your biggest influencers or maybe some some people that you've modeled your uh, group of goats after in this business? Oh, goodness. I, I mean, I, I currently have um, a partner that helped me view things on more of a business aspect, and that'd be Ken Beatty um, and, and the family, the entire family out in Colorado. Um, I, I think backing it up to the beginning, um, gosh, the very first state fair I ever attended was because we bought a goat from the Messer family um, with Redgate Farms. They had done a clinic at our county fair and we found this doe. I really liked her. Uh, and they were asking $800 for her. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is insane. I don't know if we're ready to spend that much money, um, which is kind of uh, almost a little bit funny for where now that same doe would have been valued much higher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we bought that doe. They, they helped us out um, in terms of helping me with showmanship, how to clip one um, and, and let me show the doe at the state fair, even though um, their son is the one that had signed her up for the fair. And so that was kind of a, a neat introduction to, to what has now um, spiraled into um, a, I had a beautiful partnership with Sandy and Gary Duncan of Able Acres. Um, and we did awesome things. I mean, we owned Maximum Impact together, Busy Being Fabulous, um, several others that um, either won their class at Nationals or um, at least participated in a high aspect at some of these open shows and whatnot. Um, gosh, I, I caught myself just the other day reverting back. I'm like, Sandy, what are you doing for this, this, or this? And, and it's nice to know that we can still communicate and, and learn off each other um, with different things. Um, on the other side of the county, as he would say, Mr. Larry Duncan um, was <laughs> another one that was a huge, still is a huge influence. Um, he's now CEO of the ABGA, uh, which is really neat um, to have someone with so much knowledge to sit in that position um, and overlook what the association is um, doing and where they're heading. So, gosh, I still have a lot of a lot of love for those guys. Um, they have helped me so much. Um, but back to that state fair moment, I ran around with all I had was a pin for some reason. I didn't have a piece of paper. I couldn't have been, but what, that would have been just got done with fifth grade. So um, running around the barn, found Andy, and I also found um, Sherry Stevens' husband, which for anybody that knew him, he was a tall biker guy, really <laughs> kind of intimidating looking. Um, and for whatever reason, I thought it was safe to go talk to him and ask him why he used a certain blade to clip a front end um, and, and just kind of walked around like that. I came back to my parents and they're like, what in the world is on your hand? I'm like, we need to take a picture. This is all of the blades I need to clip my next goat. Um, so that kind of sticks with me that those guys were willing to um, give me that information. So now I kind of, I try to do the same thing with, with any youngster that comes up to me now. 
that's pretty cool. I I love hearing those stories about how you know who who is the person or group of people that that you know folks that have had success kind of you know took advice from and and went mentored under and worked with and partnerships and and kind of how they took those steps to get to where they are now because uh, if people haven't taken those steps, that kind of allows people the opportunity to hey, be like, hey, everybody takes a different path sometimes. Um, and really all it, all it takes is finding those mentors and people to surround yourself with to be successful. Uh-huh. And uh, obviously you've done that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was able to um, kind of get some part-time jobs out of that after a while um, working for Sandy. Gosh, I drove to Crawfordsville, I think, every other weekend all, for an entire summer into fall. Traveled around to the state fairs, and um, Larry Duncan actually introduced us to embryo transfers, and, and we sh- used one of his bucks for our first one. And, um, you know, to get to use that buck, he's like, hey, you need to come over here in the barn, and you're going to learn what it takes to get these does bred. Little did I know I was going to be up every four hours all through the night breeding 12 donor does, um, (laughs) which was a lot of fun, but wow, huge learning curve. Yeah. Oh, there's always a learning curve. I'll never forget. I have big moments and even the pig deal where when you're trying to keep your eyes open at 4 a.m. and those were the lessons are learned. It would be all easy and and cupcakes and rainbows if it happened between the hours of of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. It, that'd be too easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%. 100%. Well, Trevor, how about we dive into a segment? Here we go. Topics from a hat, ladies and gentlemen. You know it. Brought to you by Fierce Threads. The only screen printing and embroidery service we use is a good folks at fierce threads ladies and gentlemen put your business success to the forefront and upgrade your apparel today with fierce threads your number one source for high quality screen printing and embroidery visit fierce-threads.com to place your order today so bailey we have a a really good topic i think uh dustin on facebook says he has a small herd of show goats uh, from various breeders, and he wants to know: Do you you see value in dropping money on the high quality ones for a young buck, or even a proven one, and invest or investing in AI? Uh, with only twenty five females, he's struggling making that decision, but he wants to make progress. So, where do you where do you see the vice needs to go for him? Yeah, so that I hear this quite a bit. And I I don't think there's one answer. So I I think the bigger question back to that individual would be how consistent is your doe herd? Uh. Do they resemble each other? If they do, then sure, jump on board and buy you one buck. Um, But do your background work, make sure that um, genetically everything lines up. Okay. Does um, if I breed uh, buck number one to buck number, you know, to, a doe that's out of buck number two, does that create a fault somewhere along the line um, that others have, have done that? And maybe it's worked, maybe it hasn't. Um, I think when you start looking at artificial insemination, 
there's a couple things to look at. I think you have to do a lot more background work because um, now not only are you looking for one sire, you might be looking for 25. Um, and as as big as our industry is becoming, I still think it's um, very challenging to find 25 consistent bucks that can um, offer the same phenotypic look. Um, so maybe, you know, if you've got a doe that's tight in her heart girth and drops in her pin set, you know, make sure you find a buck that can fix that. Uh. Um, on the other side of the aspect with AIing, you know, make sure you've got a good solid relationship with um, the vet or person that's going to do that procedure. Because um, not everybody's on the same page. Everybody has a different protocol. Find what works for you. Maybe try AIing one doe for now. Okay. If, if you've got that relationship built, everything's working, your numbers, your conception rate's good, um, then maybe that is the right thing to do. Um, you know, semen costs, I'm going to say average about a hundred dollars a straw in the goat world, you know, so you're going to spend 200, $250 to $500 for the year on semen, or you've got a buck for two years potentially, you know, and then if you keep those female offspring back, uh, you know, then it's time to rotate through. So I don't know that it's one solid answer. I think it's just making sure that um, everything aligns properly um, and, and definitely analyzing your own herd before making that decision. Yeah, that's a good point. That is two totally different avenues. And I've I've always been fascinated by this because, even you know, sheep and goats, too, um, you know, there's a bunch of leases that go on or, or even they just, uh, purchase that buck and, and have them cover. And I think, you know, there's a, there, there's a lot more, uh, options like you said with AI, but you gotta make sure it's the right one. So, uh, that's always fascinating in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I forgot to kind of mention that, but the leasing opportunities, you know, the, this year was the first time, um, that we leased out a couple sires and boy, was I nervous as the owner, um, you know, cause you have to trust that individual that you're sending those bucks off to, because now it's one of your proven sires out there. Um, and you hope and pray he comes back way in within so many pounds of what you sent him away at. And, uh, we had one come back super healthy, had lost a little weight, but respectively. So, I mean, he was gone for two months and covered, uh, 20 head um, and did a flush breeding amongst that. So he was used pretty hard. The other buck was only gone 30 days and came back um, with a, a little bit rougher haircut, wasn't quite as healthy as what we were hoping to have seen him come back as. So, yeah, I mean, it, it takes solid relationships to be able to do any of those things. I think it can certainly be done, though. We do a lot of outside breeding here at the farm um you know everybody cedars their does when they arrive we give a shot of pg and pull the cedar um and, and put them with the buck of their choice so uh we keep about six bucks around to cover our our hundred head plus um what others might want to do so what yeah, kind of unique 
Sorry, Corey. I real quick question. It's on topic here. What kind of insurance do you have with those? I mean, not dollar figure or anything like that, but is it <laughs> is it more of like a hey, take care of this thing, and if you don't, we're gonna talk later, or is it a <laughs> hey, hey, here's a paper, please sign this. It's your butt if something happens. Right. So this year, I guess maybe I I put a little more trust in people than what I should have um, <laughs> by just sending them off. We weighed them as we put them on their trailer and we weighed them when we took them off and, and kind of talked about some things. And, um, you know, I, I think for the future, I'm probably going to draw up a bit more of a contract or do a um, short term um insurance policy on those particular animals to make sure we're covered in case something happens. But yeah, I, I think I probably need to take a little more precaution on that because it is, it's, it's very challenging and um, livestock insurance is not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to cover, you know, everybody, it, it would not be quite feasible, but um, to cover just those sires that are, out work and I think it's definitely worthwhile. For sure. Well, the biggest thing that we do whenever we're leasing use is we just um in, in our contract, you know, you lambs that are going to be shown or whatever, um, we just are like, hey, um any any major vet bills is on you, um, feeds on you. If they show up and they're deathly ill or they die in your hands, this is XYZ is what's going to happen. Um, right. So I, I would definitely recommend that to anybody that's leasing stuff or, or has been and, and hasn't been doing something like that. Just, you know, and because we make them sign that contract, normally you don't ever see any issues. So yeah, that's yeah, one of the positive and, and things think, about it. Yeah. It, it just makes that person respect the breeder a little bit more, make sure that, um, you know, they understand, Hey, take care of this goat as if it's your own or even better. Um, I am very, very particular with my goats. Um, and I think Corey, you probably can agree with it. I can get a little bit paranoid, uh, with making sure that things go the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I typically like, I sent a bag of feed with those guys. I'm like, Hey, here's what he's been on. Keep him on this. And if you're not feeding that, uh, you know, carefully blend him into whatever you're feeding and then blending back onto it, onto ours before you bring him back home. Mm-hmm. Not a bad idea either. So Dustin, I hope we answered your question kind of, um, like, like Bailey said, it, it's all depending on what you're willing to do and what you're what your does look like. Um, I think in any breeding operation, you got to sit back and look what's, what makes the most sense from an investment standpoint. Um, Cause maybe over the course of two or three years uh, financially, it makes more sense to go out and buy one. Um, or if you planning, maybe if you're planning on AI and you got to have some sort of a, a, a buck to clean up anyway. So, um, sure. you know, I just be careful with that decision, but thank you for the topic. That's topics from a hat, ladies and gentlemen. So please continue to send uh, those our way. We'll cover as many, if if all of them, we can. Uh, we love getting those uh, interesting things that maybe Trevor and I haven't thought about in the past, and I think it adds some value to our to our interviews. So 
thank you for those submissions. Yeah. Trev, what up? Another thing that maybe people don't know uh, that are listening that Bailey can certainly enlighten us on, because I'm not sure how many listeners we've got that are super familiar showing registered goats. Uh, but that being said, uh, every once in a while, if you if you go on a well Bailey's website, for example, babboardgoats.com, you're welcome for that plug, Bailey. Um, <laughs> Uh, go visit that website and then you'll notice in some of her, her sires uh, and some of her females that they have this little star with an EN next to it. Well, that means that they're ennobled and Bailey, please explain how, what that means first of all, and then what it takes to, to be labeled as such. Yeah. So I've got a couple things to say about that, I guess. Um, so ennoblement is um, kind of like a royalty thing, I guess. Um, so when a sire produces offspring, or say you show the sire, he collects points when you show him. Um, so if, if he wins a class of 20, um, he gets maybe, maybe it's two points. And then, um, if he wins the overall, then uh, I think he collects a couple more. So uh, throughout the year of showing, um, I mean, we, we've had some that have collected, I mean, 100 points in a show season. We've had some that only collect 20, depending on how well they do. So that being said, when they start producing offspring, um, for any nobleman, you have to have at least three offspring that collect 80 to 100 points, depending on uh, the process you go through, um, to get that parent ennobled. So collecting 80 points on a total of three goats, um, those three goats have to collect at least five a piece, but a total of 80. So, yeah, kind of a little bit confusing there, I guess, as to how you get there. Um, there's ennobled for the full blood, and then um, for a buck that produces percentage offspring, it's sire of merit, and then percentage does can receive doe of excellence, which um, we've that seemed to be very challenging for a while. Um, they've changed the requirements on that a little bit in the past couple years. Uh, you used to have to have five offspring. Um, with a total of 100 points. And now I believe it's two or three for a total of 80, um, more resemblance to the full bloods. Um, I guess I, I maybe haven't looked at, at that ennobled word for quite some time just because I, I feel like we get caught up on it as a whole in the industry. Um, people view that and they think that that's a higher quality animal. I view that and say, okay, those guys went to the right show at the right time and collected points. <laughs> How big were those classes? How many mm-hmm. goats were there? What was the quality? Um, so I, I tried to be cautious of that myself. Um, Cause I have buyers that'll call and they'll be like, How many ennoblements is in their pedigree? I'm like, Does it matter? Like, I want you to look at the quality phenotypically of that animal. 
Um, so I try to stress that a little bit when people start shopping. I'm like, okay, no, make sure you look at the physical characteristics of that animal and then look at the pedigree. Right. I'll admit, yes, a pretty pedigree definitely helps sell an animal, um, but it takes the phenotypic look to get them there too. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I just see these, what's funny that you bring that up is that some of the, the goats that I've seen that are, that are labeled, you know, that have reached that ennoblement um, mm-hmm. goal. Like there's some out there that I'm like, Oh man, that thing's badass. And then there's other things I'm like, Oh really? How'd that happen? Like, <laughs> I could go, I could go buy yeah. a show goat. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, now the embryo transfers are, um, more relevant um you know that ennoblement is more obtainable because you can produce more offspring um so and a lot quicker so we're seeing a lot of these younger um goats that are able to be ennobled because goodness they flushed them at eight months old and now they've they've got 10 or 12 offspring running around, running to shows and, and collecting points. So it, it can happen very quickly. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure, you know, just as well as I do uh, a flush, you may have two or three really good ones and 10 not so great ones. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a real good flush, you know, you'll have 10 really good ones and like two superstars, um, which is nice to have. If it works twice, it's real good. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what that sound is. And if you don't, you ought to by now. Fleece Performance Engineering. Ladies and gentlemen, if you tow and haul with your truck, you know how important it is to have a reliable truck. Isn't that right, Trev? Oh, you betcha. The guys over at Fleece Performance test their products like we use them. In other words, they'll go out back, hook up to the old Corn Pro trailer and drive that thing a thousand miles back and forth to their shop and make sure that it's going to do the right job for you. Don't have a Corn Pro? Maybe they hook it up to a giant Exus or a Cimarron. Or I don't want to give away free advertising, but you know what? You get the point. Any trailer. Heavy, any trailer. Heavy trailers. Okay. So the fact that they go and test those things, you know that they can stand up to the harshness that towing every day or every weekend could do to your truck. They have a complete lineup of race-proven products, everything from turbochargers and cylinder heads to lift pumps and injection pumps. Visit them at fleeceperformance.com, F-L-E-E-C-E, performance.com. Use promo code STOCKTALK, get 10% off. Or you could just head to the new service and manufacturing facility in Pittsburgh, Indiana, just west of Indiana on I-74. Tell them that you heard us heard them on Stock Talk Podcast. Get 10% off your order, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the show. Bailey, you bring up a, an interesting point that maybe we could dive into a little bit. What's your thoughts on on flushing and getting, um, you know, you, you mentioned eight-month-old uh, does into a program. I mean, some folks that I've talked to, at least on the sheep side, you know, uh, some of those guys are ready to replicate fast and they really don't care what their conception rate's like, um, even being younger and, and getting these ewe lambs uh, in an AI and flush program faster. Uh, other guys don't want to mess up their reproductive program, uh, that quick and prefer to have these things, you know, as at least a yearling, uh, before they start doing that kind of stuff. So what's your thoughts there? I, I'm, it's interesting you ask me that. Um, so 
we actually had someone come to the house and flushed 10 donors for us last summer. Um, and I, I thought that that was the best opportunity to keep things um, more regulated, you know, stick to the protocol, less stress on the animals, that sort of thing. Um, unfortunately for us, we had some some mishaps within it. Um, we had a, a couple positive things that came from it, but overall, we we had nine offspring out of ten donors, which Ooh. yeah, not quite worth our while, but. Um, out of that, we got some excellent animals, so I'm not going to complain about those. But um, I think the embryo transfer program is also another one of those things. Like we talked about the artificial insemination earlier. Make sure you have a good relationship with the person you're doing the flush with. Make sure you have the same expectations for the outcome. Um, you know, do your background work, see what conception rates are, see what um, breed back rates are. Um, I think as far as making sure that um, your donors are the right age. So we have flushed some young does before and typically we we didn't get as high a numbers um, as we did with our yearlings. That being said, I've also flushed some yearlings that were, um, I'll say this, we fed them a little too well. Um, <laughs> tried to take a show dough and, okay, now we're going to pull her back for maybe two weeks to try to flush her. That's not a good idea. Um, a condition on a dough when you go to flush them is very important. Um, I think overall, yeah, if you can flush those does um, after they've kitted once, I think that's probably a better option. Um, we had some of our best embryo transfers on does that had kitted three or four months prior to us flushing them. So we literally stripped kids off of them, um, weaned kids off of them, and then put them right into a flush program because their their systems had just been cleaned out, everything's fresh, ready to go again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it worked out great. Interesting concept. I. Uh, I wonder the the science behind that too um, is if, you know, hormonally pull, just pulling one off and winning one, if that heightens, you know, uh, maybe you're spiking some extra stuff, you know, in terms of hormones that allows those things to flush better too. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think another thing to take into consideration is uh, several, um, I'm going to say more competitive individuals, um, just because they 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 show more, they they exhibit more, they sell more goats. Um, they're flushing these does several times in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a non-vet, I'm going to say that sounds like a lot of hormones going into one at once. Um, and I guess maybe I get a little more cautious on that. I tend to be a little bit more reserved about it. Um, we'll flush a doe one year and we may revisit it in two years. If, if everything goes well, she hasn't, uh, you know, kids again, and then we'll try her again. But um, that back-to-back flushing, um, I, I think it makes it very hard to get those does to breed back after you've introduced that much to their system. 
That's an interesting point. Yeah. I hold the whole science behind it is amazing to me. I think it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, messing with mother nature, of course, is, uh, it's always going to throw us spirals. Yeah. So, uh, to switch avenues just a little bit, you've had the opportunity to judge goat shows all over the, the United States. And what have been some of your favorites so far, or maybe what's some of the bucket list you hope to grab here in the next several years? Oh, goodness. Um, I I have been very fortunate as far as some of my judging opportunities. Um, This year judged out within, I was at Indianapolis Airport two weekends in a row. It was insane. So I I judged out in Oregon, um, actually a 4-H FFA event, and I was there judging for five days. That was a lot of fun. Um, The way they have their program is just a little bit different than, I guess, how we do things here. Uh, in the Midwest. Um, I, I got to judge Minnesota State Fair this year. It was a blast. I've never judged um, with such a large audience, um, which after I realized there was that many people around, I guess it made me stand back a little bit when I got back home. And I'm like, okay, this is this is for real. If I'm going to judge... <laughs> You know, we, we, we've got to, uh, you know, cross our T's, dot our I's, and, and let's maybe think about some ways we can make ourselves better in this because <laughs> obviously people are paying attention. So um, I, I think we get in a little bit of a habit. We judge a small open show and we get a little more relaxed about things. But um, gosh, coming into such a big setting, I had 54 kids in a showmanship class. Wow. Yeah, that's enough yeah. to make your hair stand up. <laughs> right. And it's hard enough to judge showmanship, you know, because the the you're judging that that parent's kid, you know, you're not judging their animal anymore. You're judging how they raised that kid essentially. <laughs> so um that that gets a little intimidating, but I I really enjoyed that. Um oh goodness. I, I do have Maybe not my favorite, just because it, it wasn't um, quite as elaborate as it could have been. So, um, do you guys remember when the Illinois State Fair flooded? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I was judging the goat show at the State Fair that evening. Oh, boy. And Did you, did yeah, you bring your waiters? I needed them to get to my truck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it took me forever to get back home, but, um, nevertheless, while I was judging, I had to put the microphone down because we had water dripping through the roof and we were scared I was going to get electrocuted. So we set the mic aside and I judged half of the Illinois state fair without a microphone. Ooh, do you have a megaphone, like a cheerleader or how did that work? No, (laughs) I used... I used my big, strong inside voice, um, which Corey has heard before. So. Uh, yeah, that's and, and it was it was a lot of fun and everybody was, you know, very patient, um, giving reasons, though, on classes. You know, I wanted to make sure that they got the most out of it as well, because that's what they came there for. And I wasn't going to stop doing my job um, just because of a, you know, a rainstorm. So I would walk up to those exhibitors um, and kind of make sure everybody could hear me a little bit, um, at least the ones that were looking at me. 
um, and, and just speak as loud as I could. And, you know, we had to wait on some people to get into the show ring because their goats were housed in the next barn over. So they had to walk through six inches of water, basically. Um, it was very eventful. So I guess maybe not my favorite moment, but definitely one of my most memorable. Did they did they give you a little extra something for your trouble or they just said, hey, sorry about your life? <laughs> I mean, it is still a state fair. So they kind of <laughs> said, thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, and, and, and I knew a lot of those exhibitors because we've all shown on the same circuit for so long. Um, so some of those families I was able to speak to, you know, days and, and weeks after the show and be like, Hey, we're, you know, here's, here's what I was trying to say. If you couldn't hear me, you know, just some of those highlighted, uh, animals that I wanted to make sure, um, you know, good got the nice words that I had to say about them anyways. Right. As far as bucket list shows. Um, so. Oh, or you may not know this. I have a nephew that's showing now. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I have an eight year old nephew that is obsessed with showing goats. And we that's have a good tried problem to have. Him every opportunity in this junior deal that we can. Um, that being said, I had the opportunity to judge or to co-judge the JABGA nationals this year and had to, I, I chose to turn it down. Um, so my nephew could still show, wow. um, and I guess that's one reason, I guess that's the easiest one to say, um, I think prepping to judge the nationals takes more than um, just saying yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and and I would love that. I that's still on my bucket list to judge the nationals or JABGA nationals, whichever. Um, I think making sure that I don't take opportunities away from the rest of the farm um, becomes challenging. We want to, I guess I'm, I'm more or less don't want to leave mom and dad hanging in the back of the barn with an eight year old trying <laughs> to get goats ready and they're not sure what to do, you know? So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, my nephew keeps going in the same direction that, that he's going now and, and gets more involved each time. Um, and at some point, maybe, maybe I can judge the show and, and he can still do his events that I'm not a part of um right with his livestock judging and kill-a-thon that sort of thing and and if i judge jabga then um he can be getting those ready those goats ready uh while i'm judging so that he can show them in the open show so how to coordinate all that i'm not sure yet but one of these days i'm hopeful um another one would be the north american um, as close to home as that is, I, I still, I love that show. Um, they brought the goat show back even stronger, um, making it sanctioned again. It used to be, um, sanctioned quite a few years ago. Um, and then they decided to leave it as just an open show. So anybody can participate. Um, and now they've brought it back to being sanctioned through the ABGA. Yeah. I was going to um, ask why with, they went on that little hiatus there for a little bit. Yeah. Ixnade the junior show. Yeah. So 
when they eliminated um, the sanction portion, I think it had a lot to do with a couple exhibitors um, that were part of the USBGA. Um, and USBGA and ABGA do not co-mingle. Oh, um, so those USBGA goats were not accepted um, in the ABGA show through point systems. And I think there's a lot more to the story because they, they could have made it work, but I never really did hear all the details on that. Well, they brought um, it back now, so I guess yeah. who cares? <laughs> now it's back, and they got a huge junior show attached to it. So there's a um, junior show um, for the breeding stock, and then you know they they still have their their market event, um, market weathers and does and commercial does and whatnot. So I'm very interested to see how the numbers are going to grow this year. Um, oh I, I think that's going to bring in quite a few. Well, and stupid on the North Americans part, because they probably missed out on a lot of money for several years while that wasn't happening. So, yeah, I mean, just think I, about I all think the entry so. fees. Jeez. Yeah, the, the entries were cut in half when they stopped sanctioning that show. Um, oh, oh, I and, can imagine. It was, it was a, a little bit uh, scary. You know, I we've always looked at that as a, as a major show, not just a, a, a show held at a major event, you know? So right. mm-hmm. I think that's a different things. So um, I'm very glad that they've brought it back. They've got judges in there that um, have judged on a national level. I am super excited to see how they analyze everything. Um, we have shown under, um, a couple of those judges in the past and have seen some of their work. And I think they do a great job with the kids. So um, I'm, I just can't wait. Very, very cool. Trevor. Social smash. Man, that sound button's So cool. I love it. <laughs> Social smash brought to you by Brad Hal Ford. If you get in a fender bender, happen to smash your vehicle up. Why don't you just go ahead and visit Brad Hal Ford in Kokomo, Indiana? It's time to upgrade your new to a new truck, or you can upgrade your new truck to a new truck. Doesn't matter. However, you want to do that. Cruise into the next show looking sharp as a tack. Brad Hal Ford has award-winning customer service that will lead you in the right direction on your next vehicle purchase. Brad Hal Ford, thank you for sponsoring Social Smash. So Bailey, if you uh, you said you listened to a little bit of these, you kind of know what Social Smash is all about. We want to know what your pet peeves are on social media, and we always open up the door if you have a industry pet peeve as well. Yeah, so as far as social media goes, and I know you guys have discussed this already in the past, people airing dirty laundry. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't think that's very respectful. Um, I guess my advice to those people that think they need to do that is open your notes thing on your phone type it up read it back to yourself and if you think it sounds questionable delete it just don't even post it (laughs) um and, and i guess maybe i've read some things or seen some things that bother me and you know it you get that urge you're like oh i want everybody to hear about it and i've typed some things and i look at it i'm like that's 
that's not right. I don't need to put that out there because I don't know the whole story. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, like the most recent one um, that really is frustrating is um, the ABGA has had, uh, they, they've been some slow on a few things, um, getting some paperwork done here lately. And I know maybe they've had some changes in the office. Um, so myself, I've been patient, um, when we've sent some things in, like right now we're waiting on an embryo transfer to, to that paperwork to get filed so we can register some offspring. It's part of it. Um, you know, if, if, if we're in such a big hurry to get those offspring registered, I should have sent that paperwork in a long time ago. But, uh, you know, for those people that are on social media smashing about that, about their situation with the association. Um, I think they need to sit back and realize that um, the employees of the association can see that. Yeah. Um, And it certainly is not encouraging to them to want to get that work done any quicker. Mm. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I, I wish that people would be respectful of what everyone's situation is. You know, not everybody um, knows the whole story. Yeah, and you're probably not the... the, the, People seem to forget that there's more than just a couple farms wanting to do the same thing. So it's kind of a flood of everything. It's not one or two of us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's kind of my, my biggest pet peeve on social media. As far as the industry as a whole, um, I think maybe not so much of a, a a smash to anybody, but a little bit of a sidebar is people that are trying to grow a business out of their operation, making sure that they're um, properly uh, promoting what it is they have to offer. So if you say that you work with the kids and you want to be more involved with the kids, make sure that that's what you do. Yeah. Um, versus being, you know, more self gratification out of it. Um, and I, I see a lot of that now, especially, you know, you see families that are with a, a farm for a little bit and then all of a sudden they're not. Yeah. Like, well, where'd they go? You know? Um, and, and I think, just making sure that you represent yourself properly as a business is probably just a little bit of a pet peeve. Love it. Love it a lot. Actually, that's something maybe we don't talk about enough. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, you you think about it. uh, What you said, Bailey is 100% true. Uh, People try to start their show stock businesses for themselves and they want to be relevant so bad they can't stand it. Uh, and then if they say, Oh, it's for the kids, it's for the kids. Okay. Now, is it really, let's think about this. Is it really, Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's, there's more than there's not, uh, there's more of us who truly do it for our customers and for the kids. And, um, you know, there's, there's way more of them than there is bad apples. And we've said that a couple of times on here, but, as particularly on social media, you see a couple of them that's like, okay, somebody pack, pat him on the back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Well, folks, that was Social Smash. Continue to send those in as well. Uh, we love hearing those, and Trevor and I see them uh, daily in our own lives, so we know that you guys do too. So send in those big pet peeves that you have on social media and in life. So Bailey, uh, you actually touched on something there towards the end, that customer service aspect of of raising livestock. And you know, if anybody were go to go and visit your page, uh, what I think is so unique about your website is you literally have an advice tab Wake on up. your website. Uh, so, you know, customer service is, is something that you guys, and I know you uh, in particular have made kind of like an art form out of really, which it shouldn't be, but at the same time, we're in a world now to where, um, you know, we, we like to sell as many as we can and get them out into to good hands. Hopefully that we don't have to manage as closely, but I know you guys work extremely close with your customers. So what is it that you guys do to offer to folks maybe that sets you, sets you apart from others uh, if they buy something from you? Well, and I'm going to take it even a step back from that. I do this with anybody, um, regardless of if somebody's bought something from us. I'm an open book. If somebody's having a, an issue with a goat, uh, can't get it to eat per se. Um, and I get several of these calls and messages, you know, what do I do? How can I fix this? What, how can I fit better? How can I, uh, what stance should I put my goat at for taking a picture or that sort of thing? I'm open. Hey, here's what I do. See if it works for you. Um, and, and give them tips along the way. I, I think when we get I think people get a little bit selfish sometimes, you know, we're, we're so in it to win it. Um, but I, I guess for myself, I want to make sure that the health of the animal is right. I want to make sure that you're learning something. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that opens a door later for you to purchase an animal. If you haven't, if you have purchased from us, you know, I think um, maybe that door opens a little bit wider you know, as far as things that we share and, uh, you know, if we use a top dress for this or if we do that, and um, you know, if you've bought something from us, I, I tend to know what that particular animal's capabilities are. Mm-hmm. You know, I know our genetic pool well enough um, that, you know, hey, she's, it, you're scared if she's going to uh, be wide enough in that chest floor uh, going into the spring show season, guys. She's out of such and such. That chest floor is going to open up at about 10 months old. Just wait for it. It'll happen. I promise. <laughs> and a lot of times I'll, they'll hit that mark and they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. I just needed to be patient. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think just different things like that. I tried to, I, I changed my mindset as far as running a business um, versus raising goats quite some time ago, uh, a few years ago three, four, five, I don't know. It's been several now. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's really a timeline. I think each year I've just kind of, um, evolved a little bit to turning it into a business, but, um, it's, I still try to have more of a friendship with our customers than I do a business type relationship because, uh, you know, nobody likes being talked down to. Right. And mm-hmm. I think if you talk as a business person, you sound cocky um, versus if you can just talk with that person like you're on the same level as them, 
then everything goes a lot smoother and they're more willing to try what you have to say. Oh, that's, that is wonderful advice. I, uh, I admittedly tried to do the, I think I'm a smart 20 something and it ha it happened once and that's all I needed. Um, and then as soon as I said, you know what, I'm just here to help people and Hey, let's, uh, let's just, let's just chat. And they seem to just, uh, chat right back with you. So, that is, man, I think there's more people who need to hear that. You know, be a friend with knowledge and not somebody with knowledge that's just trying to uh, look down on you. That is, I love that. Well, the, the, the advice to anybody, you know, whether they've bought something from you or not, I mean, I think that's where people, uh, A, it makes you look better and hopefully gain a customer you know, at some point in time, but even if you don't, people are always going to remember like, Hey, you know what? I could go to this person for something. You know, I wish there was more people like that out there because the, I, in my opinion, I don't think there's enough of people out there that are willing to completely, um, you know, share advice with somebody that's asking a legitimate question or, Hey, what do you think I can do here? Um, you know, a lot of times people won't do that unless they're already a customer. So right. that's something something neat and unique that I think a lot of people should should probably try to take from. from yeah. That. Uh Corey, I haven't told yeah. you this story too, and, and Bailey, you'll you'll enjoy this. But uh, you know, I have a bunch of uh families who uh show in the summer, obviously, with their county fairs and uh state fair. Uh but then I have a select few that do winter shows. Well, this year it just happened to seem that nobody really wanted to do that. Well, uh, the barn was empty for a little too long for a couple of my families that uh, just love the pig thing. So I got a text that said, hey, we want to do the winter show. And I was like excited. I, I called three or four people and then met with them the next day. And that that family uh, texted me back the next couple of days like, you do not have to run all over and, and do this for us. And I said, guys, you pretty much asked an alcoholic to go to the bar. Like I'm addicted to try to find these things. So uh, I love doing it for just the the thrill out of what the family gets out of it and uh, going and find livestock. I mean, I'm waiting for the day or I can do that for my own. But until that time, I'll just keep practicing with other families. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I, I've kind of become a little bit of a show mom with my nephew. <laughs> um, it, and I really despise that phrase a little bit because I'm not your atypical, you know, show mom. I'm never going to be uh, the one that makes sure the show clip is got the right number on it. And we're in the <laughs> ring on time because yeah. I, I'm, I'm so much more worried about, uh, you know, okay, let's, let's make sure. Okay. Is the goat ready? Are we, we're heading that way. Let's go. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's, that's funny you say that, but um, yeah, I think another part of that customer service, you know, I had the opportunity to do some um, daily care and clipping clinics um, and fitting. And, you know, I'll meet people at those events that they're like, hey, that was really good information. But we still got like, we're a little more advanced. We've got a few more questions about this or this. And it turns into um, sometimes we get a few more one on one opportunities. Um, so while I'm at a show, um, if those people are there, you know, we'll we'll have you know, the night before the show, hey, we've got this animal out. Let's, you know, watch me do this again and let's let's talk through it a little bit more. Um and then try to bring some 
some kids and families here to the house a little bit. Um, I've talked about hosting a clinic. Um, not sure how I want to go about it yet because it's so hard to house other people's animals. Right. Um, or you've seen my barn. It's not huge. Um, we are definitely going to struggle with hitting out that 40 head. <laughs> yeah. So, so putting on a clinic at the house might be a little hard, but, um, yeah, those connections with those families, that's lifelong. Those oh, are yeah. friendships you get to keep forever. You betcha. Well, uh, I don't know why it's turned into this, Corey, but it seems like it's always a competition to see who gets to ask the last question. Uh, yes. And whoever gets to ask the last question is like, oh, so we're sitting here sending a stepbrother gifs back and forth. Uh, so, yeah, you could only imagine. So, Bailey, uh, as you know, the last question we always ask is a tough one. That's why neither of us want to ask it, but everybody wants to know the answer. Where do you see the show stock industry in five years? So I, I thought about this a little bit because I thought, oh, man, if I ever get on here, what am I going to have to say? <laughs> so uh, watching what the industry has done here in just the past two years, developing um, more of a youth aspect, um, having regional shows, um, a you know, having all these different events at each regional show and, and giving out awards and whatnot. Um, it, it's turned into such an event. Um, there's so many families, like you said earlier, um, from different species coming into the goat world and um, really helping evolve the the goat industry as a whole. Um, I, I think if that keeps going in the right direction and people that have been in it for a while, keeping an open mind to all of that and how it's beneficial to the industry as a whole. I think I, I can see shows doubling and tripling in size. I can see the quality of, of livestock being higher than it's ever been. Um, as long as we just focus on why we do the project. Mm, absolutely. Um, you know, making sure we're not just making goats to make goats. Right. It's not a numbers game as far as, okay, I'm going to make 200 head a year so that I can make X amount of money. Okay, that's all fine and dandy, but is that really the right kind of animal that needs to be winning the show? Mm. Is that really the highest quality animal out there? So I, I think just making sure that we constantly improve ourselves um, to help keep the industry growing in the right direction. And don't forget the little man. Like, I, I think we kind of get so caught up on making these five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar animals that um, we forget about like where you and I started 4 H level. We didn't start with a ten thousand dollar goat. Uh-huh. I paid sure, twenty five dollars sure nice. for my boar though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and you know, and she's been the base of our program for I mean, fifteen, sixteen years now. So yeah, I mean, I think just making sure that we're still offering something um, to those families that are, you know, not quite ready to uh, put the money into it that perhaps we are. Um, on the other, you know, you get what you put into it. Um, but yeah, back to kind of the, 
the real question industry in five years. I, I think it could be a very um, promising thing. I, I think that's across all species standing back. I know I don't, I don't stand real close to sheep nowadays um, just because I, I tend to break out in a bit of a rash and, <laughs> and start coughing a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm pretty allergic to wool now. It's gotten worse than I've gotten older. So um, I love analyzing sheep. I, I think that industry has grown a bunch here in the past four or five years. If I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but um just the overall quality, I think, has grown. Hogs have become more eye-appealing than I think they've ever been. Uh, the cattle industry, gosh, club calf industry, of course, has um, remained dominant and still still is. I think you look at your breeding stock and there's still some really uh, high-quality females out there in the ring. So, yeah, as a whole, I think the entire stock show, show stock industry, excuse me, um, in five years is going to be very dominating. And I hope that, um, as you guys have kind of touched on in past, um, interviews is if the stock show industry continues to grow, uh, it's only going to help the agriculture industry as a whole, mm -hmm. um, to be that, you know, that image for, um, agriculture and, and help, um, along the way, as far as the livestock side goes. Totally agree. Yeah. My goodness. This has been a very, very helpful for me. Um, my knowledge about the show goat industry is quite limited and you've enlightened me a bunch. So I'm sure there's been some listening, uh, that has certainly enjoyed, uh, enjoyed your thoughts. Not only, Corey, have been people asking for goat content. They've been asking for four, four more female guests. We hit two birds with one stone right here with oh, one of the best good. in the biz. So feels good. Bailey, well, uh, thanks so much for, for doing this. Uh, it's been awesome uh, taking some time out of your evening, but uh, I'm sure the uh, stock show industry is going to really enjoy this one. Well, hey, guys, I really appreciate it. I'm glad you guys had me on here. I really enjoy what you guys have put together. We well, appreciate Bailey... It. I hope we can continue our friendship for another, I, I did the math, uh, 13 years, 13 years. Yeah, so see? more than 10, less than 15, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been fun to watch your program grow, uh, almost from the beginning. So, uh, congratulations. Keep, keep rocking and rolling. Uh, love to watch the success that you've had. So I hope people really, uh, can, can gravitate towards you if they have some interest in, jumping into the goat business. And if they're in the goat business, uh, you won't find a better family than the Burgums. So look up BAB boar goats and get you some, I don't know what else to say there. Get you some. That's probably, <laughs> well, whatever. thank you. That, that's, that's your new, uh, tagline, BAB boar goats, get you some. <laughs> Put that on I a think hat we'll somewhere. Have to utilize that on an ad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Folks. Um, Thanks for listening. Uh, as always, like, share, tag us in posts, send us messages, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. If you haven't by now, look us up on all those platforms. Visit stocktalk-podcast.com to find your merchandise. Uh, learn a little bit more about me and Trevor and all the happenings going on here with the podcast. So thanks again. 
Guys, don't forget, five-star review and leave us a review if you would like to just tell us what, uh, A, what we need to improve on, and B, if you like it, that helps us climb up the podcast ladder. Guys, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. This has been another edition of Stock Talk. Stock Talk.